and welcome to the Fit Mind Project with your host, me, Laura Ash, and me, Barry Ash. So, hey guys, evening, and welcome to this evening's webinar where we have quite a special one. This, this evening. is a very special webinar tonight. This is we've got some awesome subjects to talk about, I think, we definitely, and some awesome stories to share. Exactly. This week, we are joined by a real life Sith Lord. Seafood Vic Hoffie. <laughs> uh, Vic is a real master of uh, martial arts, guys, and he has been dedicated to this way of life and art form for over 30 years, and there is absolutely nothing that this guy doesn't know. He's one of the UK's most respected martial artists, specialising in Wing Chun, and he has been in the competitive arena and also on the streets, having worked as a door supervisor for many years. Now, Vic writes for Uncaged MMA magazine and has a regular slot where he talks all things movement and martial arts. But he also has his own dojo in Slough, Emmaus, which you guys have seen Barry and at. Barry getting and I are choked out. getting choked out quite a few times. Uh, but the lovely thing about Emmaus is that Vic and his business partner, Sonny, have really made that dojo a really nice space not only to train your mind but also to train your body it's such a nice family feel isn't it and you know Vic's stories and his knowledge they always enthrall us and we're always sat there like little kids listening in when he talks to us um, but when it comes to you know how the body moves and how it works and drawing inner strength um, from this there's nothing that he doesn't know and we are so honoured not only to call Vic a friend but also he is our brother from another mother and we're blessed to be part of the Emmaus family so welcome Vic my man uh -uh, hello <laughs> <laughs> you'll love it you're so humble it's great so um so Vic thank you so much for joining us this evening I really appreciate it especially as you're feeling a bit dodgy <clears throat> yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I had a. Uh, it was me versus uh, Indian wedding food yesterday, and I lost, so. Okay, it's all cool. Everyone has to have a defeat at some point in their life. Exactly, it's your kryptonite, isn't it? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, done me. Done you. Oh, me. <laughs> yesterday, not really. And uh, the. Uh, Toilet is now my friend. I love it. That's, that's super, super. Beautiful stuff. Well, Vic, what we want to, you know, have a chat to you about today, you know, you're, you're, you've got loads of stories, okay, and you've got a couple of really amazing ones. And, you know, there's a couple we wanted to talk to you about in particular, because we could literally probably do, like, a whole week's worth of chat from, like, nine till five, and it would still not be enough. Do you know what I mean? Um, but we know that through your life you faced quite a lot of adversity, and you've thought through, but the main thing is you've remained you and you've stuck to your morals and you've stayed true to who you were. And you could quite easily quit with everything that you've experienced, but you've decided not to, which has made you the person you are today. You know, the first test of this was in school with the bullies and everything. So, you know, should we just start there? Sure. So... <clears throat> So, oh, sorry, what's the rules? Am I allowed to use profanities? Whatever you want, you there's no rules on want. this... It's the same, same as at your place. There's no rules. Anything goes. Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Uh, no, seriously. So, um, yeah, well, Slough is a strange area. Um, quite a mix of different people, different races. And so I, I pretty much got my butt kicked by every race there was for one reason or another. Um, you know, I moved a, a couple of schools and 
you know, I lost my I lost my father pretty early, so I developed a bad attitude. He wasn't there to straighten me out. So whereas sometimes it would have been better to bow out from particular situations, uh, I made it my business not to, and uh, that caused a lot of a lot of issues with me, which resulted in just just like uh, you know just a lot of uh, emotional and physical violence. Yeah. So um, so from the age of maybe. 12, I think that's like the first time I ever got a broken bone from being jumped by a bunch of guys. To my late teens, I was always getting in trouble all the time, all the time. So it, it was it was just lucky that uh, I was, I loved martial arts and, I, and through martial arts, I met some really inspirational, some awesome people that were able to put me on the on the straight and narrow, especially because I saw other friends of mine. I had a friend of mine actually commit suicide due to bully, that kind of bullying and everything that was going on. Uh, right. There was major, major gang violence in, in my in my town, um, which I was uh, lucky enough to be able to recognise, to see, and then pull myself away from. There, there was quite a bit. There's a lot of physical and emotional odds, but, uh, you know, looking back at it now, usual story made me who I am, all that kind of thing, so... Yeah, everyone's got a story like that, I suppose. So, um, yeah, so that, that's pretty much how, how school was. School was like a constant battle. I mean, you know, every loud noise, every every car that squeaked, oh, it's for me. Every every oi that I heard in the street, oh, you know, I was constantly, you know, breathing up here, you know, into my shoulders. Like, this constant def- defensive posture, which actually, which I found out later on, adjusted, it impacted my, my mental state. And I was always in a fight or flight. Yeah. So I was easy to, you know, I was wondering to myself, why am I, why am I always, you know, uh, quick to get into a situation or, you know, I had a particular attitude and it's just because I was, I was getting habitually put into this cycle of dis-ease, I call it, where yeah. your, your surroundings, you know, they, they impact your, like for me, it impacted my respiratory system. Imagine a shock, you know, when you hear a loud bang, there's a, like an inhalation, yeah. right, that changes your posture. Well, that happens enough and you start to adopt that posture as, as, your normal everyday saying, right? Yeah. Um, and then he started. That's why I call it the cycle of dis-ease, right? So your, your that change, your psychological state impacts your respiratory, your physical state, which impacts your psych, your your psychological state, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it took quite a lot of training and um, you know a lot of internal dialogue with myself to feel it, recognize it, and do something about it. That's really interesting, actually, because so many of us nowadays, we are in this state the whole time where we're hunched with our shoulders up and, you know, we're so kind of quick, everything's now, that kind of thing. And that's really interesting to know that you recognise that that was a defensive state that our body was in. Mm. I mean, if you look at, uh, uh, like, fetal position, right? Yeah. Uh, That's anthropologically designed to to do this, yeah. you know, but with your back curled up, your, your lungs are like bellows, you're exhaling, this is a, like a bracing posture almost, very, very protective, and, and I noticed, man, I'm, I'm in this state all the time, and I, I re- it's really hit me when I was treating other people, because I was doing a lot of, I was in the corrective rehab industry for a while, so I was, I was looking at other people, and then when you, you see them, you think, oh, there's, there's not actually a physical issue with you, there's a lot of psychological issue, mm. because we're, we're, we're amazingly, we're, we're amazing at, at ignoring issues, yeah, as a human being. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? Any stresses and stuff, we go, that's normal, that's okay, that's normal. We kind of ignore them and carry on going. We don't realise this is this is pushing us further into our sympathetic state and we're, we're constantly like in that, 
you know, hyper-adrenalized state, and we, we, we didn't even know it. We, we accept that as the norm. So when, and it, you didn't have to be bullied, it could be, you know, uh, it could start with someone putting out in front of you in the, in the car in the morning. Mm. <laughs> and then it can just roll on for and then you go to work, you realize that you're late, and it starts to build onto that and build onto that and build onto that over the weeks, over the months. It gets worse and worse, and then it starts to impact your physical and your psychological state. So, which I'm sure you know you've guys have seen quite a lot of as yeah. well. Yeah. So when you when you were at school and um, mm. you know kind of all this stuff was going on, how did you decide mm. that you weren't going to slip into what they were like and, and fight back? You know, how did you decide to pull away from it, and how do you use the martial arts to help with that? Unfortunately, I I was of the mindset. Uh, that uh, sometimes violence can only be beaten by greater violence. Right. Uh, because, yeah, I didn't have the tools, you know, at that time, at that young age, to, to sit there and, and rationalise and intellectualise with, with other people, yeah, like myself. So I thought, OK, I'm just going to train really, really hard. Yeah. yeah and beat get out of everybody, any kind of person. Then I'm going to make a reputation for myself and I'll make sure that no one even looks at me in a yeah. particular fashion. Yada, yada. All the while being shit scared of my mum. You know, so I'm this big tough guy in the street. Like my mom would ring me, it'll come up on my big Nokia phone. Oh shit, my mom. <laughs> you know, so the tough guy is getting scared by by, by her, by you know an old lady, five foot five lady. Um, and it was, you know, you go you go through training, and like you know now for yourself, the lessons you learn on the mat. Yeah, totally. Yeah, providing you open yourself to those lessons and the people that are trying to teach you the lessons. Uh, then, only then, it gave me the tools to realise that I'm doing this. This at that time, uh, it's never been a, really a pastime for me. Martial arts has never really been a pastime. It's been for, for survival. But rather than surviving, I could actually thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a different. Yeah. You know, thriving isn't becoming a better fighter. Fight, uh, thriving is becoming a better person in the martial arts. Yeah. And, and it took me a while to recognise that. You know, you're typically, like Sifu means teacher or father figure. My Sifu was typical in, in the respect that things seemed cryptic. You know, he would say not a word and it would seem cryptic. And it's meant to be that way because it's supposed to marinate in your head for a while. Yeah, and that. you think about it and then, like, you get up and like, oh, shit, that's what he meant. Yeah, yeah, I get that, you know? definitely. And yeah, so... Like when yeah, I remember when you, you first said to me, like, about a year and a half ago, Loz, slow is fast and fast is slow. It was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then literally, I know, about a year ago, I got it, and I was like, oh, I know what it means now. Yeah, yeah. and there's a lot uh, of things in, in the arts that are hard to hard to understand because of the language, because it's not coming from, you know, English, for, for instance, it's coming from, uh, you know, China, uh, China and, you know, these kind of uh, places where philosophy is quite high on the agenda. So it's, it's difficult to, to explain it in the same amount of words. So when you're doing, when you're doing movements, yeah. you can start to feel it viscerally, you yeah. know, what it means to be soft and smooth, smooth, fast. You, you feel that and you think, oh, shit, that's how I'm, that's how I'm supposed to live my life, right? Oh, there we go. Yeah. You know, and you know that too. You know, you, you can see that in people in your breath patterns when you're training. More often than not, I mean, <clears throat> for people that I know out there, uh, Law's got a ridiculously low heart rate, resting heart rate, natural. Hate it. Yeah, you know, like cardio is your gift, right? And uh, but you'd find yourself getting tired. 
Mm. And it's not because you lack cardio, it's because you weren't breathing, you, you were getting in your own way. Yeah. And uh, isn't that a funny metaphor for life, right? Oh. You know, you find stuff getting in your own way all the time, and so you learn that on the mat. Yeah. yeah you know, a lot, a lot of people say to me, oh, you're quite flexible. I'm not flexible, I just know how to get out of the way of my own tension. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And the, the thing is as well, like, you know, with all of this that you learnt... Um, I'm going to bring you right bang up to date, Vic, was with the story with your legs. I mean, you've got some pretty epic scars on your on your legs um, down the sort of sides of your quads and everything. And all of everything that you've done was kind of threatened at that point where you had this massive, um, well, off the back of a fight, wasn't it? I think it'd be good if you can tell the story, Vic, um, from the point of when you had to go into the ring or just before that when you had to train for the ring and the fight, and what actually happened um, when you woke up in hospital. <laughs> okay, so I was doing a lot of Kung Fu over time, and a, a friend of mine is a, a very good kickboxer, kickboxing coach. He said, oh, you know, do you mind doing a, would, would you, how do you fancy doing a kickboxing fight? Two arms, two legs, same thing, same, same. So I said, yeah. And he goes, right, you've got to lose uh, X amount of weight. I think it was like eight or nine kilos. You've got 48 hours to do it. No problem. And I've never cut weight from the life for a fight. So, you know, I, I've seen the Rocky movies and, and, you know, you see things on TV. So I've got all the bin bags, wrapped myself in bin bags, got a spinning cycle, took it into a sauna and just cycle, cycle, cycle. Done that for two days straight, lost the eight or nine kilo. Um, and, I mean, it got to the point on the second day of cutting the weight where I wasn't sweating in the sauna anymore. Uh, so I was in a sauna suit, in a sauna, on the bike, no sweat. Um, but, of course... Stupid me, I'm like, mm, it's completely fine, this is normal, this is what people do. And I'm super tough, yeah, you know, so I do. Of course. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see my way through it. So, I done that, fight was on, so that was on Friday, Thursday and Friday, Saturday, uh, I competed. Uh, I didn't feel right going into it, obviously. I couldn't even drink water out the, uh, the the cap of an Evian bottle. You know, I started to retch. So I went in there, through one punch, and I was like, oh, I'm really tired. You know, this, uh, this feels really weird after like, the first punch. He, uh, the, the guy, me and him not through a punch at the same time, he, he broke my nose. It's been broken many times, as you can see. Um, uh, and for the next, for the rest of the fight, you know, I was just trying to get more than anything else, apart from choking my blood. I was, I couldn't even raise my arms. There was like no water in my body at all. I wasn't even sweating during the fight. It was, it was crazy. It was three rounds of me getting the shit kicked out of me and me being too stubborn to, to uh, you know, to keep, yeah, I was keep, I was keep going because I was too stubborn. I refused to like take a knee or, or whatever. Anyway, so I lost that fight. Um, went back to work the next day. You know, my nose plastered in the side of my face. As I'm driving, um, I started to get like tears running down my face, and I thought, "What's this stupid nose?" Um, there was blood, tears of blood, and uh, out my ears and everything, and my legs started to expand in my trousers like uh, like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, imagine like that. Yeah. Then next thing I knew, I parked the car on the side of the road, passed out, woke up. I mean, Wrexham Park Hospital, they're lining my leg up and they're going to amputate my right leg. And uh, they said, you know, I had uh, a severe case of rhabdomyolysis, yeah, brought on by the fight, the, the weight cut and, and everything else. Um, I was like, no, you're not going to cut that leg off. Well, you know, if, if whatever spreads, carries on going into your body, you're going to die. Because what happened was my quad actually exploded in my leg uh, and gave me kidney failure, then heart, uh, heart failure without to defibrillate me, all that kind of stuff. Um, 
So yeah, so I said, no, you can't take the leg, you can cut it if you want. So they cut it hip to knee, opened me up, it looked like a saw movie. The left leg started to contract, it contracted so hard it started to, so imagine the, the knees there, it started to bend in the opposite direction, it was like some exorcist shit. No. And, uh, you know, yeah, it was not, and I'm watching my leg and then I'm like, you know when something's so, I don't, I don't know if anyone can relate, when something's so painful, that it's not painful for a second. Mm-hmm. But my brain just shut it off like the pain. I was like, holy shit. And I was looking in marvel as my leg was just bending the opposite direction. And I could hear the femur start to, to crush. Uh, yeah, it was super bad. Uh, the, the case that I had, uh, the, I'm in a medical book, said so they've never seen a case that bad in the UK. You, you have CK levels in your body, usually two to 500. Mine are over 100,000. So they've only wow. seen that in people in the electric chair. So like the ligaments were snapping off my body and everything. It was, it was pretty bad. So... Um, they, they gave me another fasciotomy on the left leg. So that was it. That was me in the, in the hospital for a couple of months with uh, kidneys that smashed to pieces and, and two open legs. There was a small Filipino lady that um, I owe her a slap, right? Because she was, every three hours, she would come in with this freezing cold spray and spray the inside of my legs and have to clean the inside of my legs. And and your your legs so, are your legs are cut open at this time, so, so that you can see everything. Yeah, and and uh, you, you, the the uh, there was two wires yeah on each leg opening the leg up so you can see right inside it. Yeah. And I was in the intensive care unit, so there was people uh, blue lining like they were dying like left and right around me all the time. There's just one guy there, one so of me and some old guy that kept fighting at me on the other side of the room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, so me and him were left, like, I think like seven or eight people died when I was there or something crazy like that. I was there for a while. Um, and yeah, so she, she she kept cleaning the inside of my legs every three hours, so I didn't really sleep for a couple of weeks. And one one day I just had enough and I flipped out, and then that was it, man. It hit me with a ketamine. <laughs> and it was all good. Pink hair fits in love. <laughs> How long were you on the ketamine for? Four weeks. Four weeks, wow. Four weeks and, and they were giving me morphine every 15 minutes. So I got morphine and ketamine dependency and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. All that good stuff. And I didn't go to the toilet for over a month. That's crazy. And now I can't stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we're well, at the moment, definitely, anyway. So how long was your rehab after that then, Vic? So they... So if we take it back a step, because I suppose this is important given the context of this conversation... Um, the, the legs exploded, they got cut open, and I said to the doctor, what's my next move? He goes, your next move is not to move, you're done. Uh, you'll not walk again, and if you walk again, um, you know, you'll be on crutches, so time to change your life, right? And um, I think the thought of not having, you know, it, it's very strange. For about, And I swear, it, was, it felt like half a second. You go through, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Should I kill myself? All these kind of things. It was like under a second, all this happened. Yeah. Like the tear was just coming out. And it was, man, back up, bitch. And then the, the tear was back in. And uh, and I didn't accept it. I didn't accept it all. Uh, my, immediate, uh, my immediate concern was, first of all, I hope my mum can take what she's just about to see because she hadn't seen me. By, uh, by then she, she hadn't been to the hospital uh, and uh, second was uh, how am I going to prove this fucker wrong mm. yeah you know how's it going to be I took it as a as a personal slight that he thought that I wasn't going to get better yeah. and um, I, I can only thank 
and believe it's because of two things. One is my my father and my mother. My, my dad was quite ill when I was young, and not, there wasn't one day that he missed off work. There wasn't one day that he didn't train every morning, and he used to pray a lot. So that's like you know, I meditate, he prays, same kind of thing. Um, he 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 died on his way to work, you know, on his fourth heart attack. So, you know, he, he picked himself up off the floor and went to work and, and fell, fell dead in the streets. So it's like, it's instilled in me that kind of work ethic. My mum, my mum is a straight gangster too, very strong lady. Yeah. And, um, you know, so it's that, that kind of idea of, uh, you know, there's, there's an obstacle, I'm going to knock it down, climb over it, go around it, dig under it. But by fuck, I'm not going to... If I have to, I'll run around the entire world and come out the other side of it. <laughs> but I'm not, there is absolutely no way... I see that thing as an obstacle. It's just uh, annoyance. Yeah, this is this is the mentality, right? And then the second thing was the, the martial arts because you're constantly, constantly faced with failure every day. If you're any kind of martial artist, you put yourself in that situation. You spar with the bigger guy. You train with the more skilled person. You do that new martial art. You go to that gym and nobody gives a fuck who you are and they give you no respect and they try and tap you out and, you know, all this kind of thing, you know? Uh, you, you know, you really, really have your... It's a, it's a you develop a very healthy ego, yeah, from doing martial arts, because you know you, you're getting you're, you're getting uh, controlled and beaten up, and you have to learn all the time, and there's a lot of bad. So you, you get to develop a very very healthy character as a result. So I think those two things allowed me to to really uh, take on board. It wasn't really that much of a surprise given the situation. I'm in this situation. The doctor said that's it for you. And I'm like, I deal with failure all the time, bitch. <laughs> You know, you don't, you don't even know. And I'm thinking, and you know what? As a result of that, I've done all the things that I should have been doing for the last few years as a result of that injury. So the day that I got sewn up, and they, you know, a thousand stitches, I don't know how many stitches they, they gave me, they, they sewed me up. On that first day, I started doing dips in the bed and I burst the stitches. So they, I woke up and they took the, you know, because they put me to sleep and they took the bars off my bed. And... Um, uh, you know, so I'm like, oh, I'm trying to recover there. Sonny, who's my business partner and my fat family, basically, right? He came in and he said, you know, I was his, I was his teacher. And uh, he said, I don't want to do, I finished my degree. I really, really enjoyed my degree, but I want to teach martial arts. And I said, he came on his 21st birthday. Uh, and I said, uh, okay, don't worry about it. When I get out of this bed, we're going to start, I'm going to start our own martial arts organization. I promise you're going to be my business partner 50-50. We'll make a gym and all the rest of it. He rolled his eyes a little bit, cried a little bit. He's a very emotional guy. Um, you know, because obviously, give, if, you, if you saw me, you would think I was going to do anything. So that class, when I started IMAS, the first class was in Wexham Park Hospital, yeah, from my wheelchair. No. Yeah, I was teaching the garden to six people in exchange for KFC and Viennetta. <laughs> right? Nothing's yeah, changed. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, because I refused to eat hospital food. I said, I'll teach you guys Kung Fu on KFC and Viennetta. You tell those uh, those other lot over there, fuck off, they can stop bringing me that stupid jelly shit, right? And uh, this food in a, in a paper cup. I said, screw that, I don't care. Bring on the constipation, bring on the food though. It's all good, right? So yeah, so I started teaching out of there and then, uh, then I was teaching on crutches under an archway in Windsor which migrated onto the park on the opposite side of the road, which migrated onto Windsor Leisure Centre. Then we rented out another hall in Slough, and then we got our own place, and we'd done that. 
we done that within a couple of years. Wow. Right. And I mean, from from when I had these, when I left hospital, uh, I, I told the doctors I'll come back and I'll do the one legged squat. You know, telling me that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna walk in. I'll bring some flowers for the nurses. They're really cool. I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna do one legged squat. I done one better. I came back seven and a half months later and I won a British title in the biggest martial arts expo in, in Europe at that time. So, um, you know, that that's where, that's, that's how that turned out. <laughs> and, and actually, as a result, I've become a much better martial artist uh, and I'm a, a much better, uh, I'm, a, I'm a much better teacher as a result as well. Super. Because no, me- nobody, nobody could help me. Right. No, nobody could help me. Nobody wanted to help me. Uh, all the specialists, all the physios, and all of that. So I had to go and learn how to rehab myself. And as a result of that, it, it, I became a much, much better coach. Looking at all that, Vic. You know, me and Loz are really heavily into the mindset. We believe that the mind is the powerhouse of whatever we do. You've come through mm. so much shit, basically. What would you? What advice would you give to our listeners today about having a strong mindset to achieving what you want to achieve? What What would you say is the best thing, or a way of going about getting a strong mindset? Yeah, I, I get you. It's it's a difficult one because there's a mm. there's a PC route, yeah, uh, and then the the route that I believe, right? Well, so, let's, let's have a bit of both, shall we? I want the route that you believe, and yeah. here's here's the thing with with this kind of stuff, right? You know, some people like the hairy fairy oh this is all pretty and this kind of stuff and that's fine okay but then you've got the real raw stuff and I personally believe that the real raw stuff is the stuff that yeah it might hurt initially to listen to but you'd rather not be lied to for your the rest of your life and you need to know the truth does that make sense yeah, absolutely, and and me coming from the the martial arts, it means exactly that. Martial is the is the yang energy, the destructive force, and art is the creation, right? Yeah. So it's for you to go to go through one, to get to the other. You know, the masculine and the destructive energy to the feminine, the creative energy. This is what it's all about, and for me, that that's how me achieving staying on goals. Right, that was the question. Yeah. Yeah, to to achieve what they want to achieve, because a lot of people say, oh, it's so hard. I can't get to where I yeah. want to get because it's so hard. But you need to have that really strong and that really focused mindset to actually achieve what you want to achieve because whatever you want to achieve out there is not going to be given to you on the plate, is it? You have to actually work for it. Yeah, and if it had been given to you on a plate, it wasn't anything worth achieving anyway. True. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you know, that's, that's the first thing. And the next thing is like, you know, a toughen up buttercup is as simple as that. Anything, mm. motivation and things like that, as the as a general population understand it is bollocks, right? You don't want to do anything. You you as a human organism, if you could, would sit down, get fat, and do fuck all, yeah. right? They're perfectly built for you know typing away on the computer and, and doing things like this. You know, uh, if you want to do anything extra, anything more, it's gonna you have to be more than what you are, right? You're actually going against uh, your your nature because essentially we like to eat. And sleep and fuck and pretty much that's it. You know what I mean? Sorry, procreate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, this is it. You know, people can get away with doing just that. They will do just that. So once you recognise that fact, and then the next thing is for me personally is like, are you sure you want that goal? Mm. You know, what is the purpose of that goal? You know, why why do you want it? Then once you got it, then 
just be prepared to to walk over broken glass, you know, to get because everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, you will feel tired. If we're talking in realms of like changing body composition, for instance, yeah, yeah. you know, you will get those cravings. You are gonna miss those fancy lunch dates to Byron <laughs> you know, having those milkshakes and, you know, all, all those kind of things. But, you know, if you really want that goal, that's, that's just what it is. You know, you hear it all the time. Oh, you know, but how about my social life? Fuck your social life. Yeah. If you if your goal was to get to look a particular way or achieve a particular fitness or get a particular goal, well, then everything else takes uh, second, you know, second place. And people talk about, oh, it's all about creating balance and shit like that. Nothing ever in history, right, anything worth having, wasn't created out of any kind of fucking balance. Mm. That's complete balls. Yeah, you can live, you can stay on a on a on a you know in the middle ground. Yeah, in a balanced state. But if you actually want to get like you know you you've competed, Barry and Laura, right? That's not a balanced lifestyle at all. No, tell me about it. No, There's nothing balanced about that. Nothing wo- balanced about. But you wanted to be mm. great. You woke up in the morning. You went to bed, and all you thought about was either training or Food. eating. Training and eating, everything else was just out the window. And you have to be, in my eyes, you have to be so like laser focused on your goal. And the more laser focused you are on that goal, the I wouldn't say easier, but the more disciplined you have to become. Mm, mm. And you know, people are, are going to be like, "Oh, what's the point of life then?" Bitch, what's the point of your life? You're doing absolutely nothing. The things that you learn from achieving a goal like that, now you've got this uh, amazing, successful business where you're helping other people all the time. And you develop that from doing, from achieving your goals, right? That laser focus. You're able to take that and put it to everywhere else in your life now. Definitely. You know, uh, you know, I, I don't trust people that <laughs> that don't have that kind of mindset. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. <laughs> it. Well, you don't, right? That's why everybody is disposable now. Yeah, everyone's interchangeable. Everybody's indis- uh, disposable. You know, you get fast friends. You know, yeah. they're, they're here one day and they're gone the next. They don't even know how to be. Good partners, good friends, good at work. Is it any wonder they can't train either? Mm. You know. Um, so you, you, I you do. know, uh, develop yourself, innit? Yeah, I, I usually, I usually say to people, you know, this is it's it's bigger than your body because if you can't look after your body in the right way, then that's going to be showing up somewhere else in your life. You know, I have this discussion with my brother all the time. Uh, you know, I love my brother, but I have to have a go at my brother. Not not so much now because he's training now, so that's all, that's great. But you know, he's a he's a great guy. But he's like, oh, you know, I look after my family and my kids, and I went, yeah, that's nice until you have a heart attack. Mm. Yeah, you know, because you're not looking after yourself. Yeah, mm. and then guess what? You're gonna become the, a drain on the very people you're trying to look out for. Mm. You know, so it, it's just a little bit of time. You know. It, if everybody looked after themselves, it would just, just make a... No one has to be this amazing athlete or anything. But, I mean, how, how can you be psychologically stable if you're physically unstable? Yeah, I get that. And especially, it goes right the way back to the beginning of this conversation where you said about you holding yourself, do you know what I mean, when there was all this kind of, you know, what kind of state you live in there. One thing I wonder is, Vic, you know, before the um, the fight and being in hospital and, you know, the whole Saw movie thing, how did you respect and see your body before then, vis after then? Was there a difference in you seeing that? Yeah, totally, of course, yeah. You know, when you're, you're young and dumb, it's just like, 
You know what I mean? Don't sleep, work all night, party all weekend, train all day, all this kind of stuff. And, and you realise that you've got a limited amount of breaths to your life. Yeah. And you don't have endless energy. You know, so, um, you know, you should cycle peaks and troughs, you know, you've got to definitely look out for yourself and, you know, be mindful of my injuries, all these kind of things. I'm still recovering from uh, the injuries that weren't related to, to the actual incident I have uh, now because I didn't, I didn't look after it. But what the, the good thing is I've got, I don't know, all over, including like online and stuff like that, thousand students or something, like one of them is injured. Hmm. Because they're able to learn from my lessons, I was able to impart, you know, like like a uh, pay it forward. Hmm. All, all the injuries I've got, none of my students have. Hmm. So you know, it is what it is. And that's one thing I've learned from you, Vic, massively, is how important movement is in our body. Yeah. And hmm. just want to touch a little bit on movement and the pain side of things. So, how important is hmm. it to move our body? Um, to release pain or to get rid of pain in our body and do they both sort of marry up together movement and pain yeah absolutely I mean people uh, so it's a chicken and egg thing so like for instance if you, if you get hurt you generally tend to not move that area that got hurt yes you leave it long enough you get SMA central matter amnesia yeah. then after a while that, that that becomes your new default saying mm. and then you'll get myofascial adhesions and restrictions that go on top of, you know, maybe a hurt shoulder or something like that, and you'll actually get uh, physical deformation as a result, and you lose that movement pattern, and that's where you hold fear as well, yeah, false evidence appearing real, yeah. and, and that happens all over people's bodies all the time, you know, there, there's, uh, when, again, when I, was, when I was working in the clinic, you get people coming in and they've got injuries, like I had a you can have like a 40 or 35 year old guy come in and he's got uh, his, his pelvis is in a particular situation or his leg length is crepitated. So there's something wrong with him, there's a limp or something and you realise through training and, and regressing going back and back and back that it happened when he fell off his bike when he was 10 or something. Mm. You know, and people tend to ignore it yeah, because you like to move away from pain yeah. and we're quite resilient, yeah? So we like to keep moving forward. Like if you were to hurt your left knee, you put all your weight on your right knee. Yeah. But if you walk on your right knee for long enough, that'll become your new adoptive posture but you're walking like this, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, um so yeah, so on on that respect, the the pain can impact your, your ability to move, which again impacts your ability, you know, your, your psychological say, yada yada. It can go the other way around as well. If you don't move, if you don't move it, you'll lose it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people who uh, it's just like any machine, right? You need to oil the joints. Yeah. You know, you need to move in increasingly sophisticated movement patterns. It's good for the mind. You know, it's good for your breath. We live in this uh, tangible world, right? Three D, three dimensional tangible world. We have to be able to navigate it. And I choose not to navigate in a in a body that I've made into a that I've cocooned in muscle and made into this kind of like living coffin. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. You know, you, you've got that guy in the gym, he can bench press your house, but when he picks up his little door, he puts his back out. Well, you're really, really strong, but your yeah. body's working against itself. Or you've got that guy who's trapped so big, like he's, he's, he's looking left right like he's Batman. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Batman. <laughs> yeah, and that's cool. Even, even he had to get a mobile neck though, didn't he? He did, yeah. definitely, he did, yeah. But the thing that like, I've, I've noticed with you, Vic, when you train me, is that 
you know, we train for movement. And I know even I've had issues like in my hips and my shoulders. And you don't realise how, in actual fact, you know, the problem with your knee could actually be the problem with your shoulder or your lower back or whatever it is. And we just don't see that in ourselves. We just think, oh, that's the problem. It must have been when I got up funny. But it's not. It's an impacted thing that's happened over time. Yeah, so, I mean, that's also reflecting the way that people train, right? So, we're both from bodybuilding backgrounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And since we've been together, the, the method of training has become more movement-based than isolation-based, yeah? Yeah. So, here's my bicep. I'm just going to train I'm just gonna train my biceps. But you get what I call Frankenstein syndrome then. You just become a collection of body parts yeah. put yeah. together that, that don't work in synergy, that doesn't work in synergy. So, if you look like a, a panther or a jaguar, you can see all the muscles and the sinews, they all work together harmoniously, scientifically, and that's how we should move. Yeah. We do a fantastic job in basically making our body incredibly thick. Yeah. yeah. So it's hypertonic in one area, it's totally loose in the other area, our posture's messed up in this area, our respiratory system is completely screwed up because we breathe incorrectly or we're, com- we're always lifting like 60% plus of our one rep maximum, so you're doing this really uh, uh, like um, power breathing. Yeah. You know, I see people pick up. I see my, some of my training partners after like after a mine, they pick up a, a small bag, and they're <laughs> like, oh, "Dude, what are you doing?" You know, but you you move as you train. Yeah, yeah. very true. Right, and uh, you know, I'm not against um, bodybuilding has its place. Bodybuilding kind of exercises. It's just not where I'm at. Um, powerlifting is also cool, but that should make the base yeah. of your training pyramid. You know, your general physical preparedness. You should be moving towards, if we're talking health here and, and getting out of pain and being fit and healthy for, for the rest of your life, that's, that should only be the, the base you should move on from there and do gradually more sophisticated movements that move your body as, a, as one unit as opposed to isolated body parts. Yeah, I totally agree with you. 100%. And I can, you know, since I've been doing all that, it's just changed my life completely. And I think a lot of our teachings now are moving towards that. So I thank you for introducing us to yeah. the movement side of training because we was only sort of one plane movements for a long period of time. We get the results when it's weight loss or change your shape, but it doesn't change how you feel inside. And I think movement makes a massive difference to how you feel. And yeah. my ethos when it comes to transformations, we need to transform the inside to transform the outside. When so many people out there nowadays are trying to change the outside to change the inside and they're doing it t- totally wrong. So I've got to thank you for that, Vic. That's really um, yeah. it's changed our lives a lot. And what I love about the, the movement side of it as well, that more sophistication rather than the isolation, is that for me, I know a lot of people will go to the gym because they want to look good on the outside, right? But you can look good on the outside, as you say, the, the power lifter that can bench press your house. But when you go to pick up your kids... You know, for me, the movement and more sophisticated stuff makes me feel stronger on the inside, which yeah. kind of benefits it. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's muscles that get you laid and there's muscles that get you paid. That's what we say, right? So <laughs> You come up with some you know, awesome stuff. I love it. <laughs> no, I've got a phone full of this stuff, you know what I mean, right? So, um, you know, the, people think that they need to look a particular way. This is the magazine cover model. And then... All the trends, all the gyms are built to satisfy that need, mm. right? Mm. But that, that's not where it's all about. I mean, your the way that you move and the way that you look is a physical representation of what's inside, right? Mm. So if you're like this big, compacted bodybuilder that's 
breathe like this and things like this and you know how, I wonder how you express your physicality afterwards mm. yeah. it's really difficult and I wonder how that impacts your psychology afterwards mm. you know some of the most uh, you, you can see you can just tell by the way that some people move what kind of mindset they have whether they're stubborn whether they're very malleable whether, you know what I mean you can see it in the way that they, they move mm. and I wonder was it the training that made them like that or was it the way that they like that impacted their training who knows right yeah. but they're definitely feeding each other um, so you know there, there's and then people like yeah but I want to look particularly they want to attract a, a man or a woman or you know all these kind of things right well there's nothing attractive about a guy that looks like he is just two dimensional yeah mm. and I'm, I'm yeah, wondering I'm wondering how many people are listening to this right now whether it's on the webinar or on the podcast you know how many years down the line or whatever it is who are thinking okay well I wonder and then they're sitting in their body now thinking well I wonder how I move and yeah I I hear this and I get that and I understand do you know what I mean and it's it's awakening yourself up to your body because we just take it for granted so many times and that's what it is right you know you you it's just here, so, you know, I'll get around to it or, you know, you lose that connection. There is a mind-body connection, right? And if you can, the way that I see if you can sit on a Smith machine and you can listen to some music and look at the TV and just be planning away reps, where's the mind, where's the mind muscle? Where's the mind-body connection? Yeah. You've successfully detrained your body in moving in sync with your, with your mind. Definitely. And if you do correct and proper training, as you know, you have to be right in there. It's like a moving meditation, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's so much more satisfying when you learn a new skill and when you're, you know, your body moves as it should. And, like, you've come on so much, right? Night and day, night and day. S- super strong, super fit. Um, me and Barry both agree that you look great as well. Mm. Yeah, right? It's like... You get brownie right. points, boys. You get brownie points. I'll bring up Krispy Kreme yeah. next time. <laughs> Well, the thing is, your 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 physique and how you look and your man is a byproduct of your training now, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the other way, I'm sure uh, you know we we spoke about it before. Your training, as you were before, made you look good. But first of all, had you it was all about how you looked, yeah, not how you felt, yeah, totally. yeah, and it had a particular impact on your mind. And you know, I'm sure there's ladies out there. Uh, that, that I've done it and they feel like as insecure as a, as a result of it because it's all their all this self worth and their perception based on how they look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not how they feel and what they do, yeah. And I see it all the time, all the time. I really do. Um, so if anyone's listening out there now and they hear it, then just have a look inside yourself, definitely at that. Yeah. You know. And um, Vic, we've got a question from somebody. Um, I don't know whether we've already answered it, but. We'll ask it again, you might have a little bit of a spin on it. So this is from Karen. She said, I'm assuming you suffered a whole lot of pain in your battle to walk and train again. So how did you overcome this? Because we hear no pain, no gain so often. But often pain is there for a reason as it protects us when something is wrong. How did you know how hard to push and how did you know when to stop? Okay, so I think pain... We, we have a fairly pussified world, so everyone feels pain over everything. Oh, yes. this, I bumped my elbow, oh, that hurts. So there's that, firstly. Knowing what a real 10 on, on the pain scale is, what the real 1 on the pain scale is. Two, anything that you do is going to... Anything when you're trying to become more than what you are or actualize your potential or, or whatever, or, and especially in recovery, you have to go through pain. Yeah. 
tough. That's it. You know, something that, uh, you know, pain created, you can't avoid it when you try to recover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the pain of not walking again and the pain of um, some bunch of stethoscope wearing doctors in Wetson Park Hospital being right outweighed the pain of the of the recovery and all, everything that I had to do. So, you know, it's like my stubbornness, which is a fairly, you know, negative trait that I had, uh, just harnessed it. Every Everything that I could do, whether it be negative, positive, I harnessed it and used it all. Yeah. yeah, my stubbornness, my my perseverance, you know, my my uh, ostrich head in the sand kind of stuff. Like I'm not listening, I'm not listening. Everything that I use, I just reframed a lot and used every single bit of energy. And um, there's a saying right that uh, one of the Greek kings when he invaded, I think it was Persia, like he, he took all the ships there, and he said, right, he burnt all the ships, so his army couldn't go back. He goes, either we're gonna do it or we're gonna die. Yeah. That was my mentality because what was ahead of me was monumental. Yeah. So there's no half measures there. Yeah. You don't dip your toe in that shit. Either you're in or you're out. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because when I was going through my rehab for my knees and so forth, not as bad as yours, but I think any injury is any injury. But if you sit with pain and you uh, accept the pain, then you can deal with the pain. It's, it's when you, you put your foot in the water and you feel the pain and you, you try and run away from it, that's when it hurts really badly. But if you sit with yeah. the pain and you say, right, yeah, I know that hurts, but I'm going to sit with it and I'm going to work with it rather than try and run away from it. I think that's how I dealt with the pain and I knew my limitations then. But you have to sit mm. with it, pain, and you have to sort of become friends with that pain, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's, even if it's just a gram a day, mm. you know what I mean? One gram of pressure a day that you're adding, Yeah, you've got to do it. There's got to be those constant, tiny little shuffle, Keisha steps forward every single time you know what I mean you cannot and if you have to take a backward step you have to but you, you've taken the backward step with the absolute intent that the next step is it, it, there's going to be two steps forward afterwards you know there has to be that there cannot be I know it's hard you know or, or joking aside you know, well, when, you, when you're going through these kind of situations but you know Barry man it, there's what's the other option the option is not to get better that's not a fucking option exactly and it makes you a stronger person but, at the end of the day much better. Yeah, well, much you have person. to be strong for the people around you as well. Yeah. You know, we don't do isolation. I've got, uh, you know, I've got uh, a business and bit training and my students and my friends and my family and everything. I've got to be strong too. You know, even though I'm the one that need, that needs the strength in that time, I have to have my own strength as well. And you can't just lay down and die, man. So you've got like um, physical pain. But how about emotional pain? Because sometimes that can be the most difficult one to bust through because, yeah. you know, it's it's in there. So, you know, when did you come up against any of that with your injuries, with the emotional pain? And, and how did you how did you deal with that one? Yes. Yeah, so um, being a guy, I'm emotionally retarded. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and. Uh, especially because, you know, from an Asian background, we don't really talk about emotions in the house either. It's not really a thing. So, you know, we're just going around looking for some kind of like umbilical cord to plug into for love. You know, like, oh, please listen to me and, and everything else like this. Um, so the, the first thing was to accept my situation as a reality, you know, that there, there was pain. I need to talk to somebody. I need to get this off my chest. I need to, you, you know what I mean? I need to recognize the fact that this is happening. Yeah, then from there you can do everything, right? From the minute that you identify and you accept it, 
then you can start the studying. Then you can start to the talking to people. You can start collating. You know, if your business was failing or something, you know, you'd get your your accountant. You get all these kind of people. You get your crew together. Yeah. Right. And you sit down and you bounce energy around and and then you know you go from there. You know, you have a plan, knowing that probably the plan's going to fail, but you're prepared for it because for the you know to do it again and again and mm-hmm. so yeah when, when it came to the emotional side of things I just approached it like I approach everything else yeah. you know I got my team together got my mindset together and said okay let's let's recognize let's find out what's going on let's talk to people much smarter than I am so they can tell me what is my issue what's wrong and, and go from there yeah cool. cool that's brilliant stuff I think this leads us nicely on to the the most important part of the the podcast the webinar it is really, isn't it? The quick, quick fire the round. The quick fire round. This is the... Uh, <laughs> this is the exciting bit, definitely. I'm Are you ready, I'm just see if we've got any questions coming in. Yeah, I okay, okay. We've got eight questions for you, okay? So I don't you thinking about them. It's got to be the first thing that comes into your brain. I can't think quickly. <laughs> okay. Oh, you will with these questions. Go on, let's fire away. Okay, right, you number one... Your most inspirational quote? Mm, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Love it. Cool. What's your favourite destination you've been to and why? And you can't say Slough. Shit. <laughs> uh, Thailand. I quite enjoy it over there. I like the the, the, the heavy fight training that we're doing and the, and the, the Buddhist, uh, uh, the Buddhism aspect of it also as well. Cool. And the weather's nice. Yeah, we need to go, yeah. I think. Let's we, should go. All, we should all go on a training go. holiday. Double date. What was that? We should training go on holiday. a training holiday, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> okay, cool. Done. <laughs> and Greg can get that surgery he's always wanted. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three is, what do you want to be known for? Ooh, good hair. No, um, I know that... I was just a normal guy that made a positive impact to my community and you know my, my immediate surroundings. You know, that's oh, it. Cool. No, no, nothing more, nothing less. Cool. What's your favourite movie and why? Shit. <sighs> what, that, you can't ask that. If you if you ask me what my favourite ten movies are, oh, I knew this would be a difficult one for you. What's your favourite movie? And this is our podcast. <laughs> I'm asking the questions now. What's your favourite movie? My favourite movie? I don't know. Well, I'm saying you can't do that. That's Top that Gun. And famous. One of my favourite movies is Top Gun. Actually, I have to say... I, I always been... want to be a fighter pilot. Standard, standard. <laughs> I love it. We can't talk about it. All right, OK, so then what's your favourite song? Uh, lady Ash. You want me to go for mine? OK, I think mine would definitely have to be Rocky. Which one? All right. I like Which Rocky one? Four. If he dies, he dies. So pedestrian. <laughs> I love it's it. It's got to be Rocky Three. Why? Rocky One. Club a lane. Club a lane. But yeah, so I like it. I like the whole training bit when he's out yeah. and everything. So. Um, Favourite song and, and why? Johnny Cash, Her. Of course. Mm. Favourite, yeah. uh, um, first of a childhood memory? Uh, 
I don't know if it was real, but I, I done a, a regression and a movement session where I remembered being in the room. No way. What did, that, cozy. what did that feel Yellow like? Colours. Yellow colours and it was so, super crazy. It was super crazy. Wow. Really? Oh. Yeah. That is... Uh, that is trippy. That's probably one of the coolest first childhood memories we've yeah. heard. Yeah, that's cool. Um, right, Vic, what question have you never been asked but you've always wanted to be asked it? <laughs> Why am I not a stand-up comedian? Uh, when am I going to do it? <laughs> I think you'd be brilliant. Who's your biggest yeah. inspiration and why? My dad, he was my biggest inspiration because he was a straight gangster. He let nothing get in his way. And, um, you know, he had his faults like any man, but, he, you know, he was just, he was the archetype for a man. You know what I mean? For me, growing up, mm. especially in this day and age where there isn't many good, positive, masculine role models, he was, he was the shit. That's awesome. Love it, love it. Cool. We've, um, Mish says that, uh, what did she say? She says, I love this webinar, could listen to it all day long. Oos. Thank you, Mish. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's because of us, not you. No, I'm joking. That's a collective team. See, team IMAS, rock solid, unbeatable. World domination. Exactly. We killed all those zombies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome as well. Um, Vic, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. It's been absolutely fantastic to have you on and listen to you. And, you know, I know our listeners just get so much from hearing your um, stories and all of your wise wisdom. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, I appreciate people coming to listen, especially on a Sunday. No. It's, it's been, been good to have you. And I look forward to the next training session. When is when are you people seeing me? Is it tomorrow? Can do, yeah. Oh. I, I will recover from whatever is killing me right now. Let's do tomorrow. I'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk. I'll text you after this. That's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Good. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, have a fantastic week, and we'll see you. Soon.